Hey mamas, welcome to Christian Mom Uncensored, the podcast that's raw, real, and unfiltered, getting down into the nitty gritty of motherhood. Yeah, we get down and dirty talking about marriage, life, love, relationships, and of course, raising these babies. Join me as we chat about all things motherhood. Welcome to Christian Mom Uncensored. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Christian Mom Uncensored and today we're going to get into it. We got some things to talk about, we got some things to think about, we got holiday season coming around, we've got lots to do and to say and I want to talk about how, you know, I'm a millennial so right, we're thinking 90s, 2000s kid as an adult and it's so bizarre to be an adult, but um, I want to talk about like growing up and I want to talk about generations. I want to talk about toxicity. I want to talk about holidays. So let's talk about all those things. So, you know, all the self-help people in the world are like, find people that you want to be like or surround yourself with people who are at the next level that you want to be at, which makes perfect sense to me, right? Like I want to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. You should find someone that's doing it, get advice from them and honestly do this thing called a mock interview um, where basically you just reach out to someone like, hey, I'm really interested in your position. I'm really, you know, like, like to, I really want to aspire to be in your position one day. Um, I would just love to have lunch or coffee and wondering if I could just sit down and pick your brain. A lot of people will say yes to this because we all have egos. The baby is sleeping on my lap if you hear him snoring. And then you can talk to somebody who's in the place you want to be in. Now, that doesn't work for everyone. Realistically, not everyone's brave enough to do that. I know you're shy. You just send them a message on Instagram, see what they say, um, and things like that. And you might get some good information. Also, when you do this sort of mock interview, you're actually networking. And so I just had this idea myself because there's a couple of things I'd like to do in life. And so I really want to get advice from people who have gotten there. Um, and in a way you're having a positive experience with someone who's in the position you want to be in. And so as you're moving up the ladder, you're moving up in whatever circumstance, and this is not anything related to my current job. This is like, you know, my own business owner type stuff that I'm going to do. You have that connection now. Hey, remember we met for coffee? We talked blah, blah, blah. You, that's networking. And sometimes I feel like if you don't work in a traditional place, if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you like are working as a nanny or if you are working outside of the field you want to be working in, it can be hard to network in the field you want to go to, right? Like how do I hang out with, you know, real estate agents if I'm not, if I'm a nanny? Well, you, you hit one up. Hey, can I come to a showing with you? I'd just like to see what you're doing. A lot of people are open and are willing to do things like that. And I think if you're willing to learn and be receptive, it's going to set you up for success as you start the journey that you want to go on. Um, And so that's my advice to everyone. And honestly, that's my goal for the last three months of the year or almost two months of the year is to like pick one or two people that I could reach out and I'm going to reach out to them, whether they respond or not. I still did my job um, and see if they're willing to sit down and talk to me. And most people are like, if anyone ever reached out to me like, hey, Britt, I would just love to chat one day about anything, I would be so down. Like, you want some coffee? Like, yes, I'm down for whatever. So I'm thinking most people are like that. And so that's just like um, 
some good career life advice. Like if you want to move fields, if you want to change fields, I think it's good to interview people who are actually doing the job. A lot of times, I remember when I was in high school, they used to be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would, I had done this whole like career type test and you know they gave me a list of things that I could be and that since has changed right because I'm a different person now so you know 19 year old Britney's personality is really different than 30 year old Britney's personality um not that different just like more evolved I think it's better you know I'm more outspoken like I've become the person I wanted to be um personality wise now I just got to work on like the other things um but I remember like Googling jobs and job descriptions and salary and pay and trying to plan my life. And honestly, when I got to college, I'm such a feeler. Like I was just like feeling everything out. And then I landed in my major and I was really influenced by the show Scandal. And so I did public relations and like all this other stuff. But um, or communications with a focus on public relations. I was deciding between public relations and journalism. And I was like, I don't really like facts I like fiction I could have just did creative writing but like I don't know how you just get a creative writing job I don't even think you need a creative writing degree to get a creative writing job like all these other things so long story short short story long um all of that and above. So there's that, that's that, that's good. Um, and yeah, so that's just some advice like you could do for like, if you have goals for yourself or even in the new year, maybe you don't want this to be, you know, the end of the season, the end of the year is like busy. You're like, I don't have time to be I like I aming or I aming like in DMing or Instagramming or, you know, Facebook messaging, however, emailing random people. Like I'm trying to make my shopping list. I, I got things to do. I don't have time to meet with them. Like we got Christmas pageants and all this other stuff. Um, do it at the beginning of the year, like do it at the start of the year. Um, that's a good goal. Honestly, as I move into 2024 and I don't want to talk too much about it. One of my goals is going to be like, okay, have a health goal, have a relationship goal, have a family goal, have a personal development goal and have a career goal. And so I can like these five goals for 2024, five for four is what I'm going to call it. And then I have these certain areas with really specific targeted goals that I'm trying to achieve that's going to help. And so like personal development for me could be finances. It could be patience. It could be working through depression. It could be like different things for personal development. Career development is going to obviously have I'm going to show you the whole chart. Maybe we need to have a little meeting about this. Maybe we need to have a powwow. We need to all come together and we need to. I should have said that we need to all come together and we should, you know, sit and have vision boards in front of us or notebooks in front of us and let's start brainstorming with our little cups of coffee or tea and chatting with each other. I wish we could do it in person, but I don't know where my listeners live. I don't know where y'all live. I should do a poll and see where you guys live. And if you guys would be interested in even like getting together, chatting and talking and having like an open forum and also like planning life together in a sense where we all have different goals and dreams, like we could support and get feedback. So anyway, look out for information on that. I'm actually going to post it with this episode um, in the description, a link that you can click on, and I want you to click on it. And um, it might take you to a poll. It might take you to a sheet to fill out. It's going to take you somewhere and just fill out whatever I put there. I haven't figured it out yet.
So here's what I want to talk about. I was um, saying I wanted to talk about growing up and all those other things, but I think how you are raised influences how you parent, either positively or negatively. Either you take things you want or you, you know, you, you accidentally do something you didn't want to bring into your parenting. Um, but even in your marital relationships. So let me talk about some things I think and like what I've seen and what I'm, you know, understanding and where I need to improve myself. I grew up with a Gen X, with Gen X parents. I grew up with a mom who's extremely busy. She had four kids, um, but also was aware of mental health in the sense that, um, not as aware as we are today, I would say. Like for us, we we have and Gen Z especially. Like we 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 got mental health down. We might all have mental health issues, but we understand how to tackle it positively. Um, but my mom was the type of parent that was like, "Oh, you need a mental health day. Stay home." And she didn't necessarily call it that. She'd be like, "You're just so tired. Why don't you stay home and sleep? Like you just." you're emotional because you're tired. And it, the truth is that if I'm really tired, just like toddlers, um, I, I do turn into an emotional wreck. If I'm hungry and tired, like it's over. And I think that's most of us. So that's a reminder to take care of yourself, eat, feed yourself, get some rest. And life will be not as hard, even if it's hard. Um, but so I grew up in this environment where I feel like, yeah, I had rules, but me and my parents had mutual respect for each other in conversations. I was always a really good kid. I'm a firstborn child, grew up in a Christian home, high performer. And like what I mean by that is firstborns, we tend to typically be like type A. We tend to be people pleasers. We tend to try to take care of everyone else because we had that responsibility as children. Um, And so I grew up a good kid, but also I felt like because I was such a good kid and because I took care of picking up my siblings that I had rights. Sorry about that. But anyway, um, so when I was growing up, I remember when I got to high school, I said, and this was like, like early curfews in my opinion, after I learned what other people's curfews were, I just had no idea. I had said like, I'm a good kid. So for curfew, how about ninth grade nine? you know, 10th grade, 10, 11th grade, 11, 12th grade, 12. And those will be my curfews. My parents said, sure. When I wanted to go to senior week um, in at my school, if you live in Maryland, typically senior week, all the seniors graduate and go to Ocean City and like stay in these really crappy hotels and do whatever. Um, you know, I put a PowerPoint presentation on why I should be able to go. Originally, I was trying to go to Florida. My parents said, absolutely not. And so then we settled for Ocean City, Maryland. But so anyway, grew up um, negotiating, having conversations about like if something was a no, well, why not? Like, I don't feel like there's any harm. I don't think it's disrespectful. And this is where people kind of disagree on things. I don't think it's disrespectful for me to say no to something and my kids to ask why. Can I sleep over Stacy's house on Saturday? No, not this time. Why? Because I said no, not this time. That's valid, but also it might be like, no, because um, it's been a really long week. You've been really tired. I need you to get some good rest this weekend. 
we'll see how next week goes. Or, you know, I don't really, you know, whatever the reason is. I don't think that it's wrong for your kids to question you. You don't want your kids to to grow up never questioning authority. Of course, be just, be respectful. If your kid's like, but why, mom? Be like, because of that attitude, right? But I think it's fine and healthy to 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 want to know, to ask why. Like, I'm still a why type person. I'm a why type learner. Um, which is why I struggled with math because they were like two plus two is four. And I would be like, why? And they'd be like, because you have these two sticks and these two sticks. If you put them together, it makes one, two, three, four sticks. And I'm like, but who decided that this is what two represents? And then they're like, now you fail math. And so um, there's that. And so then I grow up this way and my husband grows up very different. He grows up by boomers. And, you know, on my Saturday mornings, I slept in. I watched four kids TV. If you're like from my era, you know what that is. If you're not, it's basically just Saturday morning cartoons. You know, I played with my friends all Saturday. Um, I don't remember doing a lot of like out of the house activities. Um, Not to say we never went out. I do have memories of like the zoo and the pumpkin patch, like seasonal things that we would do. But like it wasn't like every weekend we were doing something. Every weekend I was hanging out with my friends. I was playing with my siblings. Um, Ethan grew up on a farm. And um, to give you context, his family just owns a whole bunch of farmland and he didn't necessarily live where there was like chickens and cows, but his family had like dogs and goats. And then like his um, uncle, who also lives on property, had cows and horses. And so his house did not necessarily have like the chickens on it, but it was on like the family property overall, if that makes sense. And so... He grew up and, you know, his his dad would wake him up, his stepdad, who, who he calls his dad, would wake him up and, you know, hey, it's Saturday morning, come get in the garage with me, we got work to do, we got, you know, go mow the lawn and, you know, it's 10 o'clock, it's 9 o'clock, why are you sleeping? Where I can sleep until 2. And my siblings till this day sleep until two. And my mom doesn't bat an eye. Um, and so he grew up with boomers that were like, hey, it's 10 o'clock go to bed. I don't want to see your laptop light on from, from the hallway. I don't, it's time to go to bed, go to sleep. Um, cause his dad's a really light sleeper. And so like, and their house is small in terms of like, there wasn't a lot of space between his room and his parents' room. And so, you know, they would see that he was on his laptop trying to watch, you know, whatever he was watching, what shows he watched. And he has like DVDs and DVDs and DVDs full of seasons of shows because they didn't grow up with internet. And so it was just this whole different life. Um, whereas I didn't have a bedtime. When I got to high school, my mom was like, you're responsible for getting up. You're responsible for going to bed. Now, if I was up really late, my mom or dad would say something to me like, hey, I, maybe you should get some sleep. But I didn't have a set bedtime. My mom wasn't like 10 o'clock lights out. My mom was like, you're, you know, especially in high school um, is mostly what I'm talking about. I'm sure as a kid, there was more rules, but I don't really remember like bedtime as a kid. And so now you're bringing somebody who was raised by a boomer and somebody who was raised by a Gen Xer together. And now we're trying to raise our children. So you can imagine that there's there's areas we 100% agree on that we've 100% talked about. And then there's areas where we haven't. And, you know, if I didn't want to eat something, my mom would always make sure we all had something we liked to eat, my siblings, on the dinner table. Whenever we went out for dinner, like we were getting takeout for dinner, my parents to this day will do it. You know, if I want Mexican and my brother wants sushi and, you know, 
My other brother wants five guys, burgers and fries. My dad's going to go to all those places and pick up our individual orders. My mom's going to call each restaurant, place each order, and my dad's going to spend an hour driving around picking up all the food because for her, she wants you to sit down and eat what you love. Never going to happen in my husband's house. Um, To this day in our house, it's like we've come around to my way a little bit. Like That would never fly in Ethan's house. So in our home, if it's like Friday or Saturday and we're eating out, I've convinced him multiple times to just get what I want which might be different than what the kids want because like I love sushi and I love like Mexican food my kids don't like they're five and three like about to be three obviously you know they would prefer Chick-fil-a and you know there's days I prefer Chick-fil-a too but there's a lot of days where I'm like no I want to get the sushi special like let me go get the damam rolls and like you know those other stuff which is just so good um And so as long as the kids are eating at the same place and then me and him are eating at the same place, he's fine with it. But there's no way we're ordering from four separate places. Um, So it is really interesting when you get married and you see like the different upbringings and the different lifestyles. I I said before, one area that we struggled and like not not really struggle anymore because I'm just hands off now is relationships with our parents. I'm very close with my parents. Um, Like talk to my mom every day like I have a meltdown I call her like I talk to my mom every day um Ethan talks to his mom a couple times a week sometimes once a week and I'm like you gotta call her more you're her only kid you know she's retired her his stepdad's out of the house what is she doing all day like and that worries me it doesn't worry him he's like no she's responsible for filling her life and her days and I'm just like I don't know her well enough to know what her life and her days look like and so um, whereas like when my mom's retired, I'm going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Where do you want to go somewhere? Um, let me take you to the mall. Like it's just going to be very different. And I know I am the oldest and I'm a girl and he is the only and a boy. And so it is different. And so even there, it's been like, I was kind of putting my hands in their relationship a bit with me going, don't you think you should do X, Y, and Z more? Don't you think that you should, check up more don't you think you should and he's very much like this is our relationship and you know even and I when I think back to even in college they he never called really and I thought that was like a young guy thing like who but no and so I had to learn to kind of back off and not try to control you know their relationship which is not the easiest thing um if I'm being honest because I just I care but like I don't I don't know what the right thing is to do like I don't want someone to be like you know, you didn't encourage him to do this. And it's like, no, I did, but I can't, I mean, I could literally pick up the phone and hand it to him, but I'm busy. That's not my responsibility. And so I feel like also as wives, women, and mothers, sometimes we feel like we are the gatekeepers for our kids' relationships with other people. We are the gatekeepers, right? So like, it is my job to make sure you are safe. It is my job to approve who you do or do not see, who you do or do not hang out with. But in terms of building a relationship with my child, I'm never going to say no to family unless it's toxic people. And I don't have toxic family, um, really. So my family, I'm good. So if you want to see my kids, if you want to talk to my kids, if you want to hang out with my kids, you can. No one is going to stop you. If you say, hey, Britt, can I come take Mia and Elliot to the mall? 
come grab them and take them to the mall. I'm not going to stop my whole entire life to always plan for you to do things with them. There's the difference. And there's times I will. Like, so if my family's doing something, I'll make sure we show up so the kids can see them. Last weekend, I was exhausted. I had been up all night with the baby. I was like, I'm just going to stay home and go to sleep. I don't need to go to this family event. But then my grandparents are going to Greece and they haven't seen Mia in like three weeks because she's in school now. And I was like, let me go. Let me say hi at least. Um, And so I went and said hi. And, you know, I, I will... I will always like show up when it's time to show up, but I'm not going to force you to hang out with my kids. Um, We have their godfather, for instance, he'll be like, hey, what are you doing? Can I stop by? Yeah, there's lots of also we kind of have a side hustle together. So it's different because we do have to see each other for in a sense work. It's a fun. It's a fun. It's a fun side hustle, Um, which is you'll see it's launching soon. But um, it's so like. I'm not going to make you have relationships with my kids. And you can't be mad when they don't know you, when they don't want to go with you, when they're shy with you, if they don't know you. And I think that as moms, we carry guilt or responsibility feeling like, oh my gosh, you need to talk to your grandma more, or you need to visit this person more. It's, it's a two-way street. Like, as the mama, yes, it is, I'm the facilitator of my kid's relationship with my mom, but also I'm close with my mom and so he, so is my husband. So like if he wants his mom to, to know the kids, if he wants the kids to know his mom, he, he needs to call his mom and let the kids talk to her. He needs to take him down. And he's been doing that a lot more recently. But it's not my job because my job is already, I'm already taking care of everybody else. Oh, you woke up? You woke up? You woke up? Oh, hey, papas. But anyway, yeah, so there's that sorry it was like wait why are you doing that or though that's interesting and then vice versa I would go to his family and there's a there is a cultural difference and I'm talking about not just a racial cultural difference just a family cultural difference families do things differently whether they're the same or 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 different like my best friend's family does things differently than my family there are things that our families do similarly like and she's also black like Anyway, don't know why I'm when I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, but anyway, so at the end of the day, um, I want I do kind of worry about our kids and what they're exposed to, and how you know their pressures of social media are very different than the way we grew up. We will never understand what that feels like. Like as an adult, we're all addicted to our phones, unless you're a free, you know, out in the field kind of person, and that's just honestly not me. I'm probably addicted to my phone, but actually not really. Um, cause most of the time I have it sitting somewhere and I can't find it, but the pressure to put out a cute post, the pressure to get likes, the pressure to be liked, because when you feel liked, you feel validated. So how do you instill in your kid? Who cares how many TikTok views you've got? First of all, you're not getting TikTok. Second, second of all, not until I tell you, you can. Second of all, as a parent, if you are a parent and your child is on social media and you do not have a fake social media account. If you do not have a Finsta, a fake Instagram, a, f- a Fintalk, a fake TikTok, a fake Threads, a fake Snapchat, because these kids, I'll tell you, these teenagers, they want to follow. So if you if you don't catfish your kids, I don't know what you're doing because I will a thousand percent catfish my kids. Don't come for me in the comments. I am not going to message them and try to be their friends and be like, oh my gosh, and leave comments on their stuff. No, I'm going to literally have a Finsta and my kids don't listen to my podcast except for one time. So Mia will never know. 
where I make a fake Instagram as a teenage girl or whatever, and I'm going to follow my kid because that's what predators do, y'all. I'm going to follow my kid, see if they accept my follow. For one, if they don't, that's a good sign because that means that they're being cognizant of like who's following them. If they do, if they're private or not, right? Is their account private or not? Better be. If they do accept my follow, then I'm going to see all the things they're doing. I'm not going to like anything because how often do you run through your followers list and check to see who, like, like you just said, clicked accept and like, then they're following you. Right. So I'm just going to be able to see what's happening as a teenager and not as, you know, like a mom, I have accounts where, you know, I have friend, my, my grandparents follow me on certain social media. My mom follows me, but not on everything. And there's a reason for that. Like I still am an adult that has a life that maybe grandma doesn't need to know about you know not that I'm doing anything crazy but I want to kiki with my friends in like a different kind of way than I want my family to see so anyway moving on from that um I just think about like this it it is a lot of pressure um to grow up you know Um, yeah, so anyway, my, my tip to all parents, as mean as it sounds, it's like have a finsta and see what your kids are doing because they inevitably are doing something you don't want them to know about. And I know it's like, that's invasion of privacy. As your parent, it is my job to invade your privacy until you're 18. Okay, it is my job to make sure that you're safe because you have to remember their frontal lobe is not fully developed. Mine wasn't. And sometimes you do dumb things. Sometimes you say dumb things. I used to get online on and get on like ain't like get on these little teen chats or whatever. And they weren't all teen chats, like these little chat rooms. And then I would send them my Gmail. And then from the Gmail, I would personally Skype with like men like 19 year olds because I said I was 19 but I was 16 and I don't know how they really were because they could have just been saying they were 19 and they could have been older and they would like we would like video chat I was talking to like grown adults as like a 15 16 year old my parents had no idea no I never met any of them because I got scared because I watched CSI um New York and I watched SVU and I was like you're not I'm not gonna get got but I'm still gonna talk to these dudes because they're telling me I'm pretty you know like things like that and I would not want Mia to do that because I want her to be safe and Anyway, so at the end of the day, raising these little people or trying to like make sure they're safe and then also build up their confidence and self-worth so that they know like, do you know Instagram isn't real? And I really want teenagers, I really would love to, to, to team up with teens and do a whole campaign about how fake social media is. Um, so if you have teenagers, this is going to sound sketchy. Never mind. If you would like to connect and maybe create a campaign with me, send me a message. Um, as the parent, we can be in, we can be in charge, but I just think it would be so cool if teens band together. I don't know any teenagers personally. I, I know babies. I have, I have five and under, but like if a group of teenagers of high influence band together and did, this is the post I, I posted. This is my entire house. For instance, as a mom, sometimes it's like their house is so clean. No, I clean the corner that's behind me as my backdrop that I'm filming in. If you look next to me, there's a big pile of laundry. 
trust me and that's my real life real life there's probably a big pile of laundry and i found a clean corner to sit in and i'm going to record in this clean corner don't think the rest of the house is clean one level might be clean but i got three levels and there there's never a point when all three levels are clean at the same time except for right now because yesterday i had my house cleaned because it was my anniversary and i was not going to clean it myself and we have a monthly you know you got y'all know what i do so i've been married for six years and um it's actually my anniversary right now as I'm recording. And I want to tell you, you know, about what that's like. <laughs> if you've been married for a long time, you're going to chuckle and agree or be like, ah, I've been there. Or you'll be like, not my experience. And if you are, you know, on the way to be there, then um, just know that marriage isn't always easy. It's beautiful. I look at my wedding pictures and I'm like, wow. And seeing my husband with our kids makes me fall even more in love with him um, to see the kind of dad he is. He's caring. He's attentive. He's still very protective of me. And I, what I love about our family, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I don't, I don't listen to experts. I listen to my heart. And, you know, he fiercely loves me and I fiercely love our children, right? And so what I like about that is that I'm always going to put my kids, and this is wrong, you should always put your spouse above everyone else, but I'm always going to put my kids up, right? They're little, they need me, um, like they, they need me, need me, like literally Rafi needs to nurse, um, you know, they might need a diaper change. And so as moms, we, we a lot of times our whole heart and focus and center goes to our kids and our husbands can get left in the dust. And I've had to kind of pivot and like, you know, redirect my compass to be like, wait, no, husband, you and I started this. My focus needs to be on you. But I like that as I'm trying my best to do that. And in these past six years, I consume myself with the role of mother, right? The role of dinners, lunches, noses have to be wiped, diapers have to be changed. You know, are you happy? Are you cold? Are you okay? And I I do all these things. Are they fed? And I do all these things to make sure they're okay. And then he does all these things to make sure I'm okay. Are you fed? Are you hungry? Are you tired? Do you need a break? Um, And so he takes care of me and I in turn take care of them. And um, I also take care of him as well. And so it's just a good structure that we have. Um, But it isn't always easy. Uh, Even though you could do premarital counseling, you never know what it's going to be like. I am a creator, if you haven't noticed. I... I'm somebody who dreams really, really big and thinks really, really wide and believes I can move a mountain. I remember as a kid, when I learned about the Bible saying that if you tell a mountain to move, it'll move. If you only need faith as small as a mustard seed, I took that to heart. And I was like, I dreamt about standing in front of a mountain and moving it. And I like, I believe that to my core. And so, um, I also believe, though, even though you could do, you can have the most extreme faith in it in order for it to move, God has to want it to move too. And so I could be like, move, mountain, move, and it won't move, right? Until God's ready for it too. And I can still be believing that mountain's going to move. But in the moment God says it's time, when he says move and I say move, and we move together, it's going to move. Anyway, that was, that was the whole thing I was just thinking about. But um, we're very different he's realistic. I'm not. I'm like, life doesn't have to be black and white in these lines that society puts for you. 
I don't believe in that. I believe in living the life of my dreams, not the life of everyone else's dreams. Um, and so our conflict comes because he grew up, you know, in one home his whole life. And I moved around a lot. One of our areas of conflict was I'm ready to jump ship and move at, at the drop of a hat, drop of a dime. I'm like ready to go, drop of a pen. That's probably like the realest thing because uh, I don't really wear hats or carry change but like you know I am always writing things down I'm always ready to go and so I don't know if like it's a good thing or a bad thing because he'll be like wait 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 and I'm like go 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 um you know the little things get to you the shoes the you know oh my gosh you always you know leave hair in the sink after you shave or you always I always have to tell you to take out the trash and I don't want to you'll you'll get over it and you know hopefully you don't have to do that forever with your partner um hopefully they become more intentional throughout life as well um because we do carry so much of the mental load and I talk to my husband often about the mental load um there was one day where he finally got to be in my shoes where, you know, I work with the baby a lot of the time strapped to me. Um, and so a lot of the times I'm working with one hand. I'm still efficient. I'm still fast. I'm still getting it done. Or one arm. And my arm gets tired at the end of the day. My arms are sore. This is like an almost 20-pound baby um, that I'm holding. And so, yeah, I'm tired. Um, and one day he was working and I had to go do something and he had the baby and the baby's crying, the baby's screaming, he's holding the baby and then he hands him over and he's like, I see what you mean, my arm's sore. And I was like, yeah, and you just did that for two hours. Imagine doing it all day. Um, and so I, when it comes to marriage, it's about giving yourselves grace and room to grow in accepting your partner for who they are not now, not who they will be and not who you want them to be. Um, I have a fixer type problem where, you know, I look at myself, sorry, I look at myself and I think, how can I improve? And I think the same for my spouse. I'm like, try to plan his career for him. That's a big thing that I was doing that isn't really my place. Trying to, um, you know, tell him where, what he should do, where he should go, what moves he should make. And, you know, if you just do this, you'll be happy. If you just do this, it'll be great. And, you know, that is not always the case. Sometimes, sometimes you got to figure it out um, and let them figure it out. And just because, you know, I, I said this before, there was a point where um, Ethan felt like I was growing really rapidly, like not just growing as an individual, which yes, you know, making decisions about life, career and self and like health and also growing as a parent, like getting more and more comfortable as a mom, knowing like, this is what I do, don't do this, what I stand for, don't stand for. And he was like, you're growing so fast, but I am not quite there. I am not growing as fast as you are. And so you kind of have to like, run the race together and even if you're a little bit further in the race stand and jog for a minute um let them catch up and then give them self give them grace as they try to catch up as well um and eventually you'll get there together and it'll be beautiful and it'll be amazing and it's all going to work out for good and it's all going to be great but it is definitely a hard sort of process to to go through where 
you're trying to figure out, um, you know, where you want to go in life. And dreams change. People change. I'm a very different person, you know, than I was when my husband first met me. And I have all of the same traits that he fell in love with, but I'm more self-assured. I'm more opinionated. I have like these careers. I'm also a mom now. And, you know, that comes with a whole new host of uh, personality things that, that are different than what they used to be. Um, and so I think grace and time are the most important things in marriage. Give yourself grace, give yourself time, understand that seasons are seasons. Sometimes you're going to, it's going to be 50, 50. Sometimes it's going to be 80, 20. Um, and that's okay. And also it's okay to go through the roommate phase. People like hate the roommate phase, but I think that it's realistic that once you have a baby, there will be a roommate phase and it might be necessary in order for you to mother in order for me to get any sleep and to function for these first, you know, six months of Raphael's life. We have to be the roommate phase. One, I'm not trying to do anything with you. I love you, but I'm tired. I probably haven't shaved. I probably need a shower. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I love you so much and we're going to get to us but like, I can't get to us all the time. I'm trying to catch up on sleep. I'm trying to do dishes. I'm trying to pack lunch. And eventually you'll get into a rhythm. And so as long as you guys can stick it out and continue to focus on each other, it's great. Do the couple challenge I talked about last week where this is how we're going to connect this week for us to shower together three times, for us do something nice for your partner every day this week, for us, you know, hug or kiss each other every time you enter and exit a room so that I'm acknowledging your presence and I'm acknowledging that I see you um you know go for a walk every night together for 30 minutes little things like that can also be helpful because um I have to put myself on do not disturb because I keep getting interrupted um let me do that right now as I'm talking but as I you know we um do these little things, it, it's going to help bring that intimacy and build that. And then you'll naturally be doing some of these things. And then you're kind of getting back to the romantic side. Sometimes marriage, there's like the romantic side, and then there's the life side. You have to continue to live life. That's reality. That's okay. Um, I trust my partner more than probably anyone on this planet, aside from my mother. Like, if there's two people I can trust, it's them. And you know, so I don't have to be scared when we're in the roommate phase. We're just going to find our way out of it. And also, if you have a baby, give yourself grace to have the baby. Give yourself an extended postpartum period. You know, the first four months, three months, no, the first six months, the first year is hard. And I've done it. This is my third time doing it. It does get better with time. It does get better with age. They become one years old and all of a sudden you can leave for a night if you want to. Or maybe you can't. You can leave for six hours. I can't leave for six hours right now. I can leave for two. So the idea of being gone for six hours, like that's a movie and a dinner. That's not just dinner up the street. That's a movie and a dinner five hours away. Or not five hours, 45 minutes away. You know? Um, it's hard when you're in the thick of it. And I think that I was, um, honestly, this past year and these past couple of months, struggling with having a new baby. Because it's like... I was gaining a lot of freedom, you know, last year, except for being pregnant. Um, I was gaining a lot of freedom. I, my Elliot was, you know, two and um, Mia, you know, was old and they're old enough now. They can honestly have a sleepover without me. 
and I was gaining, you know, momentum. And then I started over. And that's what you have to think about when you start over is are you willing to go through this whole period where you are going to be basically chained to your baby and not in a bad way. Like he's strapped in the baby wrap right now and we're cuddling. And at night I find myself when we're sleeping, you know, if he's sleeping by himself, sometimes I want to pick him up and snuggle and hold him. Like, and I will, because they're only little ones. I'm not going to always be able to pick them up and snuggle them in the middle of the night. I can't do that to me. And she'd be so mad at me. Like she does not like to be woken up. Now, if she came to my room, I could do that, like, if she woke up or something. But, you know, normally I can't just pick her up and snuggle her because she'll be like, Mom, I'm trying to sleep. So, like, every, every you know, era and chapter has a season, and you can get through all of it. And if you're having miscommunication and you're starting to have, like, tips, you're having fights, like, you're not understanding. There was, like, two weeks ago. Also, when I PMS, it's bad. Like, I think I have a diagnosable issue if I'm being honest and I just don't want to see a doctor because <laughs> I just don't have time or energy and I also like what are they going to do put me on hormones or something I'm also really not into that I will say that the time that I've always been the most level is every time I'm pregnant my emotions stabilize when I'm not pregnant my emotions are insane and so like literally literally I probably need to go see somebody like I might have PMDD or something because it's intense and it's scary and I can feel the difference in me. I can like physically feel like, and it feels like the world's ending and it feels like, I don't know if everyone feels like this. It feels like everything's just insane and I'm height, like I'm more aggressive and like, it's like this crazy thing and not like aggressive, like mean, but just like more like quick, like quicker to snap, like more like unable to handle stress. Um, like I, or I get stressed out easier and I'm already like an easy stress outable person because I'm a mom and like there's things to stress out about. But, um, don't know why I was telling y'all about my hormones, but I guess I did. Um, oh, if you're going through a period where you're just like not communicating well, it might be because you've been doing the roommate too much or you've been going, you've been passing like ships in the night passing each other when you need to sit and talk, you need to laugh. And I've told him there's been times in our relationship where I've said, I need to just laugh with you. Like we need to just have fun. And when you, when you play with your partner in a sense, like play, like do the tortilla challenge, you know, take a salsa dance do a workout video together, you know, make Play-Doh, try to make your own Play-Doh, do like a taste test, like you make something, I make something, we see who does it better, which one do I like, like when you actually play with your partner, it creates intimacy, and so like my goal in these next couple of weeks is to play, to play with each other, and um, you know, like laugh with each other, it just brings so much love, um, So something I think all of us parents struggle with is prioritizing our own self or downtime. I'm the type of parent that feels guilty if I know of a kid's event and I don't go to it. So today there's um, trick-or-treating and some cute stuff on Main Street near my house where kids can get in costumes, there's going to be games and all of this other cute stuff for kids to do. I will tell you that there are probably 19 million children Halloween events that are going to occur within this next week. It's my anniversary. Why am I going to spend my anniversary trick-or-treating with my kids when all I want is a bubble bath, a mimosa, some sushi, and some snuggles? Am I going to go to this event? Probably not. Stay tuned. If I go, you'll hear about it. If I don't go, I'll probably forget about it. But it's just like, what? <laughs> when is it enough? And so, like, 
tomorrow is Elliot's birthday. I have things to do for that. Then Elliot has his little Halloween parade at school. And then there's a trunk or treat at Mia's school. And then the, the next weekend, there is another Halloween event I want to go to. Um, and then it's actually Halloween and we're going to trick or treat at my friend's house. So we're going to kind of like get ready at her house together. The adults are going to have you know, some food, some drinks, and then we're going to walk around their neighborhood. They give out lots of candy. So we're going to go to her neighborhood, um, and they give out the good candy too. And so we're going to go there this year. Um, it's like a fun experience, like doing it over there. Um, so do I need to go to this, you know, trick or treating on main street this today? I answered my own question. No, it's not that warm. If it was like, let me check the weather because I might be lying. Oh, it's windy too. Oh, my kids hate the wind. Yeah, we're not going. Um, it's sunny but windy, and I will tell you, my kids, they hate the wind. And so, like, if we go, they're all just going to be screaming the whole time. And so, we're just going to hang out inside today. Tomorrow's Elliot's birthday party. We got a Yoshi egg hunt. We've got Mario activities. It's going to be a fun day tomorrow. And so, I don't really need to stress about having fun today. And this is advice I've given to you before. I'm going to repeat it. And I've given to, I need to take it myself. Is that during the weekend or during your time off, try to do, split your days or even one of your days, like for instance, Sunday is normally a big prep day. And so we'll try to get as much done as possible, but then also try to relax and breathe from, you know, the stress of the week. But if you can split your day and do like something nice for your kids and then something nice for you or you and your spouse, do that. I remember one of the days I did it kind of flawlessly was I did a tea party with Mia one morning and we had like all of the treats like I went and picked up donuts and we made real tea and we had and we dressed up and then after we did this little party you know they went down for a nap I called my best friend and we watched Bridgerton and we had a Bridgerton this was when season two aired was Bridgerton season two party and I dressed up and I had Bridgerton Bridgerton themed snacks I had like a pretty glass of wine that was like Bridgerton-y I don't know and I did something nice for myself which was like binging this new show that I want to watch after playing and spending time with my kids and so if you can like split your weekends like okay on Saturday something for me Sunday something for you or in the morning something for you in the evening you know something for me do that like we so often get wrapped up in doing things for the kids and I know it's hard if you're a sports family but that just means you know Saturday night after sports take a bath, watch a movie, you know, you don't have to engage or, you know, make them a really nice bath, play with them for a while. And you can just kind of split your time doing something for them and something for you. Cause I'm not going to say like, don't hang out with your kids. Like, of course, but also don't forget to hang out with yourself by yourself. Like I, I was, you know, telling Ethan, you know, he took the two kids and I was working and he was like, at least you get some sort of a break. And I was like, well, this isn't a break. I'm working. You know, the real break will come is if you took all the kids and I wasn't working and I was doing something for me. Um, and so, um, that's just like a reminder there too. Like it's okay to take time for yourself. And even though the baby will only give me a good at max an hour, but like 30, 40 minutes before he's crying and wants me, 
Like, the thing about Raphael is he's spoiled. And I don't want to say, like, no babies are spoiled. No. Like, he's always strapped to me. He's always engaged. He doesn't have times when he's bored. But I do feel bad because he's the third baby. So there's lots of times, like, right now we baby-proofed, that he's on the floor and he's crawling around, like, exploring, which is fine. Like, I'll put out some toys. But I'm running and trying to do dishes, right? And so, like, or I'm running to switch the laundry. And, you know, I'm putting him somewhere safe or putting him in his jumper for a minute to jump around and play. And I'm doing something else instead of like looking at him and playing with him too. And so then I do feel like, you know, he needs my attention, but then like he wants attention too. So I don't really know uh, what I'm doing, but, um, for Ethan, he likes to just kind of hold him and it's like, no, he doesn't just want to be held. He wants you to hold him and to sing to him or talk to him or like to entertain him. Like you're the jester, like you're the court jester for the baby. Like you got to entertain him or else he's going to be mad and he's going to want me. Um, but yeah, so really excited for Elliot's birthday party tomorrow. I'm excited. We're going to order my favorite food for lunch today. And I was promised a bubble bath. Like I just want to do a face mask. I want to do all the grooming. I want to do a sugar scrub. I want to paint my nails and my toes. I want to do my eyebrows. I want to, you know, um, dermal blade my face and like, I did it one time I saw on TikTok where the girl took baby oil and like an eyebrow razor and like shaved her face and since I like, got rid of all the face fuzz and like I did it one time and my skin looked amazing. And I think for some people, if you have sensitive skin or clog easily, it might jack you up. But my skin is not to say that I have great skin, but my skin's pretty good. Like it absorbs product pretty well and I I'm not normally react I don't normally react to things at all. Um my favorite products are Tula. I use Tula um, face wash and moisturizer and SPF moisturizer. And I like Tula. That's that's the, the brand I've been on right now. But anyway, that's just like a random brand comment. I don't love... A lot of people like the Cetaphil, I think, or the CeraVe moisturizer and cleanser. Like they say, it's so good. Um, I do like the cleanser. I don't love the moisturizer. I have it and I don't love it. Um, but I'm very much a serum girl. Like I love a good like serum, like a like a like a vitamin C serum or a high something with hyaluronic acid. My favorite serum is a hundred dollars a bottle and it's not that big of a bottle, but I love it. It's like what I want for Christmas because it's just so good. And I bought a dupe and the dupe is good, but like the original is so good. I'm going to buy the original for Christmas for myself. Anyway, I'm rambling, but, um, yeah. So if you've listened to like the last five or six episodes of the podcast, you'll hear me say, this has been the hardest year of my life. This has been one of the hardest years of my life. And this is really hard for me to say and admit, and I'm not even going to admit anything because <clears throat> that's how hard it is. But I'm not sure what this is or what this isn't, um, but I've been listening to, I listen to podcasts when I can, like I'm very busy, I don't normally have a chance to, but like on a day off while I'm cleaning, I'll catch up on my favorite podcasts, like in the car, on the way to a doctor's appointment, I'll catch up on my favorite podcast and the pickup line, you know, picking up Mia, and I was listening to a mom talk about her postpartum depression and she said like she was nursing she was a human pacifier where if you exclusively breastfeed you understand what that means um my experience with my kids is that Mia was my first 
And honestly, when I think about the way I handled Mia, it was the best way I handled all of my kids. Um, What I mean by that was like a lot of the decisions I had to make with Mia were against what I wanted to, but potentially for my benefit, Um, which sounds kind of silly. But so with Mia, I was still working full time. I had to go into the office five days a week. Um, I still have a schedule where, you know, I could work 6 a.m. to 2.30. So that's what I did every single day. I made sure I was up at 4.30, made sure I fed her, went to the office, tried to pump. I was also new in my position in a way, like in a sense, um, not super new. But if you worked at my job, you'd understand like this period of time where like you've got the job down, but not really. And so I was stressed out about like getting certain cases done and getting a certain amount of numbers done and like making sure I'm accurate and then also I was breastfeeding but the biggest thing that weighed on my heart and still weighs on my heart was like time with my daughter and time with my children and so while I had Mia I struggled so much because my circle I talked about this before was stay-at-home moms and I was a working mom and so my comparison was and I was a working mom who was like 25 and my friends were like 21, 22. They were a lot younger. They didn't have college degrees. Like I kind of went the traditional route where I met my husband. We dated. You know, we had a three-year engagement. We got married. And then after, within our first year of marriage, had Mia. So I got married at 24. I had Mia at 25. And so it was kind of like a quick succession. But for us... It wasn't that quick because we had been together for so long. We've been together like four years by then, um, which isn't insanely long, but I think it's like long enough for us. You know, now we're married for six years, but we've been together for like 11 years. And so anyway, um, but so when I had Mia, you know, I had to pump because she had to eat. And I was so focused on how I felt like breast was best and feeding my baby breast milk was the best thing. Like God made milk from you know we make milk for our babies like why would I give her a substitute blah 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 and honestly to this day when it comes to feeding my kids I'll say I prefer to breastfeed but I'm not against formula so if you're a formula mom don't be don't start to feel the shame because I'm not shaming you um at some point while I was working and I I have this experience that was really hard I noticed my supply change I was so stressed out I was, you know, up really early to take Mia, to feed Mia and get to work so that I can get off by 2.30, you know, pick her up by 2.39 because her babysitter lived like right around the corner from my job and she was a family friend. Mia had a great time and because she was with this babysitter, you know, Mia, naturally if you put your kids in daycare or in like a childcare facility, your kids are going to be a little more independent because they have to be, Right. If you're there all the time, you can hold them to sleep every nap time. Mia didn't get that. And so she learned how to nap by herself. I mean, kind of, sort of, because, like, honestly, she still doesn't go to bed by herself. I talked about that. But, you know, like, and so um, I ended up in a place where I was nursing half. I was nursing and pumping half of the time. And the other half of the time, she was formula fed from five months on till she was two. And so she nursed for a long time. She nursed pretty much until I got pregnant with Elliot, um, even though it wasn't like for sustainability at that point because she was eating food. You know, I I nursed her. And so um, 
when I think about my time with Mia, I struggled a lot emotionally because of my circumstances. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. All of my friends were stay-at-home moms. I thought they were better moms, but they were younger than I was. They weren't married. Um, they looked at me like I was the better person because I had like a career and like, you know, I was making X amount of money, you know, and my kid was like, you know, in daycare and like activities. And so I was just like a different when they looked at me, it was it was probably like in a positive light where they were like, well, you know, I'm at home because I have to be. And like whether your situation is you're a stay at home mom because of finances, you're a stay at home mom by choice, you're work from you're a working mom by choice or working mom for finances. I really do believe that God, you know, puts us in the seasons we need to be in and like he has a plan for us and also for our kids. And like if you can trust God that you know, he has a plan for my child. And so the situation my child's in right now is only what God would allow. It, it really does help. But I struggled with Mia and I never had postpartum depression or anything. I just like struggled to balance. So I'd be like, hey, mom, friends, can we meet at the park at 245? Because, you know, I get off at 230. I'll pick me up at 239 and then I'll rush over to the park and I'll have snacks and diapers and a new outfit. And I would hang out for Mia from like 239 until bedtime. And I used to count the hours that we were apart and be like, no, we have more hours together if you add the weekend hours in. And it was just this insane pressure for momhood. Flash forward and I had Elliot and I had Elliot in the middle of, he was born in 2020. So we're in the middle of a pandemic and as hard and scary as the pandemic was, the hardest part for me was facing like the, the unknown. So I was hearing like, if you test positive for COVID, you're going to be separated from your baby. I immediately was concerned about how that would affect breastfeeding because I had to supplement with formula for Mia, I was so focused on exclusively breastfeeding Elliot. And I did, I did until I was like, you know, five or six months pregnant with Raphael. And then I was like, nah, I need a break. And I finally like weaned him. And at that point he was two. And so it was fine. But, um, the pregnancy with Elliot, what was hard and scary was like, Am I going to be okay? Is he going to be okay? And then once he's born, you know, COVID was the big thing and we didn't understand COVID. And so, you know, no one can see him. No one can touch him. We can't go anywhere. Like we're at the point where you're sterilizing your groceries before they put, you put them in the refrigerator. If you remember those times, I don't do that anymore. So like to full, completely honest, I know some people are probably perfect in OCD and still do that. I don't do that. But I remember like sterilizing and like wearing gloves, taking my groceries out and like wearing gloves to get the mail, like being scared of like catching the sickness and even being terrified to get tested for COVID before I had to go into labor and you had to wear a mask in labor. But like I had a really great labor and delivery team that I really wasn't masked. Like I only was wearing a mask when I was going through like check-in. But like once I was in my room, they were like, you tested negative, like you're fine, you're in labor, you don't have to wear it. And so I like really didn't. Like I would try to wear it and they'd be like, just take it off, you're fine. Um, but so then after I had Elliot, I definitely had baby blues and I remember the baby blues, but it wasn't postpartum depression because it lasted maybe a week where at four o'clock I would get dark. I would get moody and I would cry. And if you know my baby blues experience with Mia, I've always wanted to be a mom. 
I'm like a year into my marriage. I've always wanted to be married. I'm like in love with my husband. I have a new baby. Like all of my dreams are coming true, except we live in an apartment that sucks. But aside from that, all of my dreams are coming true. And so with Mia, I would put her in her crib because I was still trying to like get my babies to sleep in cribs at that point. Newsflash, all my kids co-sleep. Like I'm not, I like as a seasoned mom, I know what I can do. And as a first time mom, that was beyond my limits as an emotional like attached type of parent but anyway um I remember standing over her crib and like sobbing tears of joy to the point like my body's shaking and I'm like sobbing and Ethan's like coming and he's like are you okay like oh my gosh what's wrong and I'm like no I'm just so happy and then my baby blues and that was like my form of baby blues with Mia which is like ideal like it's bliss like I'm crying tears of joy my whole baby blues with Elliot it was very different I gave birth to him to October the sun sets early at the end of October I typically do get seasonally depressed and so the sun would, it would be 4 p.m and he had colic and I knew like as soon as it hit four he was gonna cry until like nine or ten and it was, he was just going to cry. And so no matter what I did, he would cry. He was fussy. He was gassy. He was exclusively breastfed. And our baby wore him the whole time. But, like, my baby blues experience was, like, the anxiety. Like, the night the sun would start to set. And so would my mood. And, like, that lasted for a week or two. And then I kind of got into a rhythm and routine. Flash forward now, two years later, and I have, I have Raphael. And he's still he's dropped to me right now. And my baby blues experience, I still had them. But it was like it resonated in a very different way. Like with Mia, my baby blues were surrounded by the fact that I was so happy. With Elliot, it would be like the sun would set and I would know for the next, you know, X amount of hours I was going to be busy bouncing a baby on a on a yoga ball or like trying to soothe him and he was going to cry and I was going to feel so guilty and like he was upset like is he gassy and I was going to be doing these bicycle exercises and all these things to make him happy I have Raphael and so this is third time's a charm right and um he's not colicky he does go through a period for maybe a week or two where he's fussy in the evenings but nothing like Elliot he is exclusively breastfed, no problems breastfeeding, and I always felt really good about my boys um, with that. But um, now I'm struggling because me and Elliot have such a bond, and I can't spend all my time with him anymore. You know, I can't sleep with him anymore. I have a new baby to, to take care of, and that was really hard. And so when I say this year has been the hardest year of my life, it's just been a succession of transitions. And I wondered a lot of times throughout this experience if I have had or still have postpartum depression or anxiety. Um, and I think that maybe I might have slash do have some of it, but I'm too afraid to tell a health practitioner and unfortunately, it's such a stigma in our society. Like, you get afraid to be diagnosed. I think that people, what's crazy is, and I think a lot of us are this way, when you think about your best friends, when you think about your sister, if you think about your mom, if you think about someone you love struggling, and you knew there was a way they could struggle less, you would tell them to do that. Like, if they had to stop breastfeeding in order to feel good and happy and confident about themselves, if they had to hire a nanny so they could go to the gym, for two hours a day or one hour a day, you would tell them to do that. I can't tell myself to do that. And so for me, it's like, you know, there were so many times I've never Googled postpartum depression before in this extent. 
with any of my babies except for this last one where I've been like, am I depressed? Am I okay? I don't know. I feel really, really not okay. Not in the sense that I would harm myself or others, but like everything feels dark. And so, um, as I listen to other moms experiences with postpartum depression, I wonder where I am on the spectrum. And I always rate myself, you know, high, like, do I cry more than often? Sometimes or not often, you know, and I am crying more or I was crying a lot more. Um, am I struggling more with day-to-day tasks? Yes. I have a third bait. Of course I'm struggling with day-to-day tasks. I'm either a toddler either needs a snack or a diaper change. Mia wants me to play with her. The baby needs a nap. Like, yes, I, I've been trying to do the dishes since 7 a.m. this morning when I walked into the kitchen. Like, yes, I struggle more with day-to-day tasks, 100%. But it's that fear of judgment and, like, for me, when I, and I'll also be really vulnerable here, when I was um, planning my wedding, I was in a new job, a very stressful training environment, and I went on to anxiety medicine for the first time. How did it make me feel? On a level, it helped with the intensity of the anxiety that I had. It helped. But it made me feel a little bit jittery. I didn't love taking it. And I told, I didn't really, my my psychiatrist wasn't that great because I literally told him, like, I'm going to just start weaning myself off of this. And, like, so I would do, like, from a full pill to, like, a half a pill. And I weaned myself off of it up to my wedding. And then I, and I, and I stopped taking birth control six months before I got married too, which is why I got pregnant really fast. But, um, cause I knew we were going to have kids and I was like afraid of not being able to get pregnant. So I was like, I'm going to stop this now. We got to be safe until this wedding. And like, anyway, but, um, I'm telling y'all too much tea, but I really wonder if this last time there is some postpartum going on. And for me, I don't have time to have postpartum, right? Like I have three kids, I have a career, I have like these ambitions and I don't have time to go into a doctor's office and I'll be blunt. I hate going to the doctors. There's a lot of things doctors could do to make it better. Like if you want, if your concern is people caring about themselves and like getting help that they need and being seen, you need to change the way doctor's offices look because to me, it just sounds like an annoying stressor. I have a baby and I couldn't bring my husband to my first postpartum um, checkup. So, you know, like six weeks after, mine was only at four weeks because he was my third baby, a vaginal delivery. I didn't tear or anything. So they were like, come in, we'll just see how you're doing. They asked how I was feeling and I was like, I'm okay. They asked how breastfeeding was going. I was like, it's fine. Rafi went to his appointment. He's gaining weight like a champ. No one's concerned about that. They asked me if I want to like clip his tongue tie. I say, absolutely not. Like, we're not doing that. I know so many people who have, and like, you guys are stronger than me and, but I can't do that. Like for me, I was like, how bad is it? Like, what do you think about it? His doctor was like, well, there's two sides of the, the coin and everyone kind of falls one way or the other. A lot of people feel like prevent speech issues, do it while they're babies. Like it'll help them out in the long run. If there's issues, I hung on to that word. If I said, so there might not be issues. He could be fine. And then he said, yeah. And I said, okay, well, until there's a problem, there's nothing to address. And that's how I chose to live my life. I have friends that have had their babies have like a clip or whatever for their tongue ties. And I'm not like judging them, but I get judged because I did not clip Rafi's tongue tie. I will tell you right now, I went out one time with friends 
and one of the mamas was pregnant at the time and we were talking about like oh has he like he has a tongue tie I was like yeah he's eating breastfeeding like a champ we were just talking because he was like maybe three months old at the time and I was like yeah he's breastfeeding like a champ even though he has this tongue tie and she works in speech and she was like oh my gosh you have to get that clipped and I was like no I'm actually not going to do that and it became this awkward thing where it was like eh, I know you think I should do this and like honestly if it ever becomes a hindrance to him will make the hard decision and do it. But I was not sleeping. I was crying every night. I hated my body. I still hate my body. I was um, stressed out about Elliot. And I'm still stressed out about Elliot. I was trying to balance. And now you want to ask me if I want you to like take a laser and cut my son's tongue? No, I can't handle that. And honestly, when I said no, I was like, I cannot handle that. Every time I thought about it, I stopped. And I did so much research. I spent hours on the internet researching. I read like, oh, I did this. And like, it's like, it didn't even do anything. Or like, oh, you have to do these exercises. And my thoughts were, he doesn't take a bottle well. He's nursing really great. If I have to do it, I'd rather do it when he's eating food and eating food comfortably. Because God forbid we do this and all of a sudden he doesn't know how to nurse all of a sudden his tongue is like too free or something that was my concern like and then he's gonna starve and then I might not be able to breastfeed and then I'd have to bottle feed and it went through this whole long journey long story short I don't know if I ever had postpartum if I do have postpartum or if I did have postpartum but this year has been the hardest in my life in terms of the first six months of Rafi's life and I've never been happier but I've also never been more anxious I've also never been more depressed. I've also never cried this much. Um, And I cried a lot after Ellie was born. Like, I don't do winter well. And so even talking to, like, my friends, they're like, Britt, I'm concerned about you heading into winter already struggling. And I said, me too. But if I have to choose to do my copay for therapy or to take my kids somewhere, I'm not going to pay my copay for therapy. And this is where I realized, like, maybe I need to prioritize myself. Um, Newsflash, I tried therapy, like, one time since he's been born, and it was, like, helpful-ish, but stuff I already knew. And so I kind of feel like I know everything, and I don't. Honestly, therapy is great. I had a therapist for years when I was in college, and it was super beneficial. But for where I am right now, I can't dedicate that time. Like, if it's therapy or the gym, I'd rather go to the gym. Like, let me go dance at Zumba, and I always have, like, oxytocin, whatever whatever hormone makes you happy after you work out. I always feel that, and I always feel good for the next day, and so it's like, if that's where I need to, like, shake out my anxiety, that's where I'm going to do it. I'm also past the threshold where Rafi's six months old now. He's starting to eat food. He's still exclusively breastfed. But there's an end in sight. I survived the first six months. I can survive the next six months to make it to a year when they're really eating food. And then I can really get some freedom. And honestly, I'm somebody who like loves to hang out, loves to be pretty. And I just haven't been able to do any of that. And so I struggle with like my hair looks crazy. My outfits look crazy. My body looks crazy. Like I need to go have a makeover and not like insane but like just let me get my hair and nails done and put on something cute and i'll feel like a different human it's like the 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 day before i move on to another topic which is like holidays because it's on my brain um i wanted to say something and it's like sometimes i just want to talk about things i saw on the internet or tiktok and i talk about breastfeeding quite a lot on this episode or on this episode on this podcast because i am a breastfeeding mama 
Um, but not everyone can, and it's not for everyone, but if it's your goal, just know it's possible. I was watching this TikTok and this mama, you know, her baby looked to be maybe six months old and she was really struggling, like bleeding and, um, while nursing and having to go to the chiropractor and, um, all those other stuff. Like her baby had to go to the chiropractor. I'm not really sure what was going on. Um, but everyone's journey is different. And I hope that wherever or however you have your baby, you have good after support. Um, I really don't love people up in my space. So you guys know, like after also Raphael's my third. So like once the only thing the lactation consultant told me in the hospital was like, oh, he has a tongue tie. She gave me a paper. She gave me some doctors that could like look at the tongue tie. Um, but she was like, it is a pretty severe tie, but he's latching fine and nursing. So like, just talk to your pediatrician. And I did. And you guys know my whole tongue tie story. But, um, yeah, it's not. And just because you, you did it one time with one baby doesn't mean it'll be as easy as the next. Sometimes it's easier the second time around with, with Mia, you know, I did breastfeed her. It just came down to like a supply issue with pumping and you know I respect moms who exclusively pump so much because I absolutely cannot stand pumping and I know where I shoot myself in the foot and where I shot myself in the foot was I was never thinking about like the long term so here's what I'll say when Ethan would encourage me to pump and I did I have a freezer full of breast milk this baby won't drink because he won't take a bottle um, like a freezer full, like full of breast milk. I don't know what to do with it except for a milk bath and some jewelry. But like Ethan would say, I know he's hungry now. Why don't you like pump and I'll give him a bottle. And I was thinking that's such a waste of time. It's like double the feeding time because like, I have to spend like the 20 minutes pumping. Right. And then if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, 20 minutes isn't that long. So I could have just pumped and then given him the bottle or like when I knew he was going to start to get hungry, pumped. And then also like for supply, I would always feed my baby and then pump some more just to like, you know, tell my body, keep making milk, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, I'll talk all about like supply another time because um, this time around my supply is great. I also learned a lot about supply. Sometimes your pump, your pump output does not reflect your actual supply. I mean, different pumps work differently. It could be the size of your, um, your pump parts, but like your body. Anyway, moving on. I didn't do that. And so my baby never took a bottle. But what I didn't realize was I could have sat and pumped for 20 minutes, right? Ethan could have fed the baby for however long he would have needed to while take, taking the bottle. And while he had the baby, I could have showered. I could have given the kids a bath. I could have just had hands free with the baby. Where in my head, I'm thinking about the day, right? So it takes me like 20 minutes to feed the baby. Let me just feed him and then keep it moving. I wasn't thinking of the exchange. Like, yes, um, it's easier for me to just whip it out and feed the baby. But I could have, you know, I wasn't thinking ahead. So like, because now he won't take a bottle and he's six months old and I can't really leave and he's teething and going through something where... You know, when he was a newborn, he would take a bottle, like kind of, sort of. We tried to do it at least once a week. We should have tried to do it every other day. Um, and instead of like 
So at least give me a break. And I was just so concerned with like, no, I I exclusively and only breastfed Elliot and he was big and strong and healthy and, and chunky. And so was Raphael. But my advice is if you are going to go back to work and um, if you ever want to leave the house, as annoying as it can be to like pump and pass the baby off, do it if you can, because I didn't and I'm paying for it now. Um, luckily, Rafi's six months old, so he's starting food and things and we're doing all the fun food stuff, but it's not enough to sustain him. It might give me not to say that I can't leave him because, you know, he doesn't eat every hour. Like, I can go out for three hours and he'll be fine. Um, and he can, like, kind of eat some food. Ethan can try a bottle. Um, he's not going to starve in three hours. But my time window really is limited to three hours max because then he might start getting fussy and he might start getting hungry. And with breastfed babies, it's hard. You're not measuring necessarily how much they're drinking. So, like, I don't know. You just never know. So I can only leave three hours at a time and I very rarely do. Very, very rarely do. So my advice is if you're going to breastfeed, you know, establish and it's okay not to give them the bottle that first month. Like that's fine. And then, you know, month two, maybe let's start like integrating the bottle. They're still really new and still really figuring things out that little. But if you wait too long, they might not ever take one. And as annoying as pumping is, unless you're a pumping mom, again, I think that's kind of like the best of both worlds because your kid is getting breast milk, but then they're also taking a bottle. So you, you can still feed your baby. It's just, I feel like it takes longer because you have to pump and then feed them, but it might be worth it. So like, that's kind of like, if I were to have another one, I would definitely um, be doing the bottle a lot more and pumping. I pumped a lot though. I just was concerned that if I pumped, my body wouldn't respond and make enough milk supply-wise, which isn't true. Um, because I pumped with Mia and struggled. And then, you know, with Ellie, I never pumped and never struggled. So I was like, I'm going to pump, but I'm going to still feed the baby from me. And so it's like, what was the point of pumping all this milk? Because now my freezer is just full and I don't know what to do with it. Okay. So don't come for me, but I don't like... I'm not going to say that I don't like Hallmark Christmas movies. They've just never been my thing. And I know so many people just love when it's like the Hallmark Christmas movie time. I feel like they're boring. <laughs> they're all the same. It's the same plot. Like I'll get into it if I'm at the nail salon, you know, and I'm watching it. But if I'm going to choose to watch a Christmas movie, I'm sorry. It's going to be like the Santa Claus. It's going to be like all of the good oldies it's gonna be um jingle all the way my favorite movie house guest with sinbad me and my mom used to watch that movie i don't even know if that's a christmas movie but it counts to me like i'm gonna watch you know home alone like those are what i want to see during christmas time i don't want to see you know the same 10 actors in 13 different movies with the same plot of a girl comes home for Christmas or a girl's divorced and is coming home and or, you know they have to save the family bakery like I don't need to see it and I used to love Lifetime movies I really did when I was younger but it's just not my thing and I also think like as a parent and maybe this is just me my ability to watch TV is very limited I have a very limited time for like what I can watch 
and my kids are not going to let me sit and watch a freaking whole Hallmark movie or a whole movie in general. Like I count Twilight as a Christmas movie because it's kind of cold, you know, maybe it doesn't really count, but you know, I'm gonna watch Twilight. I'm going to watch something that like I want to watch. Um, but if you're a Hallmark Christmas lover, um, it's coming. I love the lights and I like the vibe of Hallmark, but it's just not my vibe. And honestly, back when I used to watch um, Hallmark movies, I never watched Hallmark movies. I'm lying. I watched Lifetime like murdery movies back in the day. And those were also all terrible or like switched or taken at birth. I used to watch all those crazy things. Can't do it now because I'm a mom and it hits too close to home. But yeah, the Christmas season is upon us. Um, Mariah Carey is coming to my town and I do not care. I'm not going to go see her. I, I, I like her music fine. I'm just not like a super Mariah fan. Um... you know plus I have kids so I have to pick and choose like what things I want to go to but this holiday season I plan on doing um a ride to the North Pole the train does like the Polar Bear Express where like you get tickets and like there's Santa and you get hot chocolate and a cookie and a photo op and you ride the train um we're gonna go walk through some Christmas lights a couple times and um I want to take some family photos and do all of the at-home stuff with the kids like elf on the shelf and um I'm actually about to buy all these little accessories too for the elf and like we're gonna see so like what we're gonna see what I do for elf on the shelf um and you know all the other things and now I gotta go pick up big brother from school but anyway that's all I have for this episode um if you take away anything just prioritize yourself as always and um if you need help get help I feel like I was kind of shooting myself in the foot by saying like oh you know I tried therapy for a hot second but didn't like it wasn't for me I did therapy for years I just I'm not in a place right now where I think I need it if I ever got to that place I I would I would go back um so just get help if you need it um and yeah that's it have a great beautiful fabulous week I will talk to you all soon be blessed no stress See ya.